You're listening to the Empowered Divorce Podcast, where women support women who have experienced betrayal trauma and abuse and are now facing divorce. Here, you'll learn tools and concepts to help guide your journey from a place of empowerment by trusting yourself and becoming the chooser in your life. I'm your host, Amy Woolsey. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello, my amazing listeners. Thank you for joining me wherever you are and whatever you're in the middle of doing. Give yourself a little squeeze for me because I really do appreciate you, your feedback, support, love. It is so awesome. I love hearing how you are sharing this with friends. And I had a listener share her story with me. She had given her sister a couple episodes of this podcast thinking, I'm just going to give my sister a, a chance to understand better what I'm going through. And then a few weeks later, this sister confessed that she herself had been going through betrayal and really afraid of divorce. And and so when she started listening to this podcast, it helped, especially those episodes I have on should I stay or should I go. I just think it's so cool. And honestly, when I read that, I'm like, oh, this is a perfect example of why women need women and why we don't need to be afraid to share when we had that thought to do so, when that impression comes to mind, because you just never know what someone is going through, even your sister. So very, very cool and and inspiring. Now, today I'm going to talk about healing. This particular episode felt a little daunting for me to share. And I just had to remind myself there's going to be lots of episodes on healing. This doesn't need need to be a, a one and done. But what really made me want to jump on and share some thoughts, particularly about healing today, was because of an experience I had. So I've been working with my therapist for some years now, and we're working on earlier trauma. And I had a particularly hard session last week, and yet it was a good, like those good hard, (laughs) because I was able to make some breakthroughs and see some locked up trauma after some EMDR. And my body was exhausted and Afterwards, in this particular time, I had more physical effects as my body was finally releasing that old shock residue. And anyways, I was feeling all kinds of things physically. My body, like I felt itchy and irritable and pain. And I was walking out of my bedroom and I just yelled out loud, I hate healing. (laughs) And I was just like, huh. Now, based on the true definition of hate, I really don't hate healing. And I know that healing can also be very beautiful. But in that moment, I just freaking hated it. Have you ever felt that? Like you're just working and working and working and trying to heal and do all the steps and practice all the tools and you just want to scream because there's this part of you, your brain, that believes this should be easier or perhaps it's offering you the thought of we should be in a different place right now on the journey. (laughs) You should be be better right now. And sometimes even if you're feeling grief and negative emotions, especially this time of year, your brain is going to make that mean you're not healed enough. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm the only one that has a brain that's been jerk sometimes about this, but I imagine not. Well, again, on this particular day, what I was really hating is how my body felt, how my insides felt, how my brain felt. I hated how it was affecting my day, my ability to show up in the way that I wanted. In fact, my son wanted to have a conversation about dating and, and I wanted to be available and present and have that conversation with him. But about 15 minutes into it, I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I need to push pause on this conversation and come back to it because I I was literally feeling like I wanted to crawl out of my body and just like run. My body was catching up to that session. And what I was hating is the fact that here I go and 
closing off and isolating and he needs me. And I was hating how intense the emotions are at times and how it affects my sleep and dreams and nightmares. And I hate how sometimes I get really, really mouthy after a session and just want to light everything on fire, figuratively speaking, of course. Okay, you get the picture. <laughs> so when I screamed out loud, like, I hate healing, I, I really, again, had this desire to share with you because I just, I want you to know that, I mean, here I have training, education, experience, and this is what I do, help people heal. And yet I am not any less subject to a human brain. And it means that I certainly have healing to do and always will. In fact, that's why I'm always going to have a coach and, and why I'm still working on therapy because ultimately I want to see these parts of me that are hard to see so that I can change and become and believe more in myself. I want to feel pain because it means I'm seeing the parts that have a story to tell about my pain, parts that have wanted to be heard for years and are now able to be seen. I want to make space for my body to crawl and be irritated because it means that old shock and trauma residue are being released and I can let it go, forgive, become better acquainted with my true self. What I'm really hating is that automatic resistance that, that my humanness, that my brain gives to the necessary intentionality that healing requires. What's hard about healing is the fact that I, my higher self, needs to be in charge and choose into healing every day. So after my therapy session, with this new awareness being made around early trauma, I, gosh, I just felt such resistance to that, that feeling, those emotions, and feeling sad for my younger self, feeling angry. I was hating that I felt this resistance to breathing because I was back to, you know, holding my breath. And healing is slowing it down and actually breathing. But I was trying, I was holding my breath. And so there's that resistance. And oh, I was hating that. I was hating how easily my brain wanted to numb out again with food and other things that are destructive. So one of the biggest factors in healing is willingness. Our willingness to be aware of all of these things and then get the help that we need to become even more aware, like a coach. It requires willingness to accept the reality, willingness to do the practice work like deep breathing because my body, you know, my brain wanted to resist that. My body wanted to hold the breath. It took willingness for me to let go and breathe and lean into the pain, lean into the emotions. And that's, that's the hard part, right? So this willingness to, to be aware and accept reality, accept what is and practice those healing tools is, is what's going to help us move forward. And there's no timeline. So moving forward is determined by you. We're going to talk a little bit more of that later. But be aware of the resistance that your human brain naturally provides. It thinks it's protecting you. This is where your willingness to step into your power, choose, overpowers the brain's resistance. And even though you think you want to heal, like I, I want to, you're, you're going to have to change something in order to do so. And that change your brain is going to resist. That change means you're going to lose all of those small self-benefits that you get from the story those trauma parts tell. And this is what you can start to become aware of. Like, what are some of those, those benefits? Maybe the benefit of being right. Like, 
that can be a benefit for a time. I know that when I found out after my divorce, there had been even more betrayal and lies than I was originally told by him. It felt so good to be right. It felt so good to be able to say, aha, I know it. I know it wasn't crazy. And listen, that's an important piece in the healing journey to be able to see your body was right. You're not crazy that you can actually trust yourself. Your body did feel something was off, right? And that healing change, okay, is then to focus on the self-trust and the self-love, not continue looking for all the ways that that he was and is wrong. And you're right. Like, just hypothetically speaking, change is not looking for how wrong he is to get married so quickly. And you're right for staying single for the kids' sake. Or he's so wrong for always doing fun things with the kids. And you're so right for making them do chores and homework and consequences. Just, no, just hypothetical. <laughs> the two H in there. But really, healing itself is beautiful. It's it's when we have the resistance that our brain offers, like, this is so hard. We can't do this. We should be better by now. This is the part that I sometimes just hate. I like to go on road trips. And lately, I've been doing um, some more driving, especially to go see my son up at college and get ready to go watch him play some great baseball games. And so I'll do these road trips. And that long drive, that long road trip offers so many experiences, right? And there's a lot of feelings involved too. I, I get excited in the beginning of that road trip. I get my snacks together, my playlist. And in my case, I have all of my Audible books ready to go and purchased. And there's this there's anxiousness of that anticipation of what's going to come when I arrive. And I have motivation to drive for several hours because I'm imagining what's going to happen at that destination. And I go watch my son play ball or I'm going to the beach, like whatever, wherever I'm driving to, I picture what it's going to feel like when I get there. And then along the way, after a few hours of driving, I start to get a little restless, a little tired. And then about 10 hours into the drive, sometimes I'm feeling a little irritated, annoyed at other drivers and other vehicles along the way. But still, I have this destination in mind. And so that calms me down, it refocuses me, and I can keep on going because I have that end in sight. What makes healing so difficult is we think of it like a road trip. We think of it like we're getting in a car, we're strapping in, we know it's going to be a long drive, but we've got tools, we've got snacks, we're preparing ourselves, and we have this idea that there's an end in sight. I'm, I know I'm going to have to make this many stops. I know I'm going to have to refuel my gas tank a little bit. And I'm going to be tired and oh, I'm irritated. But if I just do this, 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 if I just drive this many hours, there's going to be an end in sight. And then I'm going to be happy, feel peace, and finally live my life, right? At least that's how I, I thought of it at first and how I see a lot of my clients sometimes come into the journey that way too. What I want to offer you, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. It's There's no end to healing. I know, I know, I know. Just, ooh, deep breaths. Okay, if you've never heard someone tell you that, it's hard truth. Just let's slow this down for a minute. Because in all honesty, there's a good reason why, and this is a good thing, hang in here with me. But there is no end to healing. There's no destination that you get to. There's no boxes that you check off. It is a journey, not a little road trip, 
or a long road trip, it's a journey as long as you have a human brain. And when I really started to embrace this idea of it's a journey, for me, it slowed things down. I wasn't in such a rush. So when I'm driving long distance, I am trying to get there faster than what my GPS says. Here's the competitive part of me. If it says you'll be there in nine hours, I'm like, haha, I'll make it an eight. <laughs> so I'll try and go at least 10 over and on on long stretches where I don't think I'm going to get caught. Oh, I'll speed up even more. I'm in constant competition with other drivers. You know, when you go on these road trips and there's sometimes cars that you're going back and forth, they go a little bit faster and then you pass them and they, you go a little bit faster and you realize my gosh, we've been going back and forth with each other for the last two hours. And sometimes along the journey, you run into cars who are going so much slower in the left lane. And you're like, oh my gosh, get over. And there's this sense of competition. <laughs> okay, again, probably just me. But all of those, those things are so similar to the healing journey because how many of you are comparing yourself? You're healing to someone else. Maybe you're in a support group and you're like, oh my gosh, why is she already dating? I don't even want to freaking think about men right now. You know, we do this and it's called comparative suffering. And I think this is one of the big hangups, the, the big places that we can get stuck along the healing journey is that we can be tired and irritated and sad and have moments of happy even. But where suffering comes in is when we're in that competitive state or comparing. Because I don't know about you, but when when there are cars that are continually going slow in that left lane, I'm suffering. <laughs> but if you can look at the healing as a journey, not this destination, you don't have to race to get there. You can slow the speed down. There might be some parts where you find yourself in cruise control. Maybe you're going downhill and you don't have to really put a whole lot of effort on that gas pedal right? Maybe there's some times where it is uphill and you have to lay on the gas a little bit. But there's none of this pressure that you'll be putting on yourself when you know that as long as I'm alive, as long as I have a human brain, this is my journey. And every human brain in some way must choose into that journey. There are a lot of people on the side of the road, broken down and not willing to put the key in the car. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say, everyone listening, you're already on that journey. Getting educated, listening to podcasts, reading books, finding out more information is putting the key in the car. I often see that mindset of, if I can just get here to this destination, then I'll feel healed, peace, happy again. I had a client, I asked her, well, what is healed to you? What does that look like? She's like, well, I'm not going to have any negative emotion. Like all of this heaviness is just going to be gone. and. I had a good relationship with her. And so I was like, oh, so dead then? <laughs> like the dead have no symptoms. Is that what you mean? No, facetiousness aside, it's true. Like because you have a brain, you will not not have these negative emotions. And that's why it's also important to not make these negative emotions mean good, bad, or wrong about yourself when they show up. It is okay and it is part of the journey. We want to lean into that too. But today I want to talk about what healing looks like and how you can tell if you are healing. Now, I really want to preface here. I'm not giving you a checklist per se 
but I, I want to give some language, some words, some ideas of different phases and stages so that you can be more aware of where you are currently at and start thinking about where you want to go in the journey. But the first thought I want to offer you is to consider today, what if there is no arrival to healing and it's a journey that we choose into? Then what am I choosing into today? And I want you to consider what does healing look like for you if there isn't an arrival? Could you relax into healing more? What would you let go of? How would you give yourself more grace and kindness? What could you be more compassionate with yourself around if you let go of that idea that there's a destination and it's more of a journey? Now, when I'm talking about healing, what I am referring to is healing from trauma caused by betrayal, abuse, divorce. Trauma is that fight, flight, freeze, that arousal state, which so many of you have lived in for a very long time, years, if not decades. And as we continue to heal the symptoms of that arousal state, that fight, flight, freeze, they do begin to diminish, dis dissolve, calm down. We want to put ourselves in situations that help those parts, trauma parts, that arousal state calm down. And so we're, that's why I'm going to do a lot of different episodes because bound, when you talk about boundaries, when you have healthy boundaries, it gives you a safe space to calm down the fight, flight, freeze parts. But the reality of healing from trauma is moving out of that neurological state of trauma, of hypervigilance, that threat state, into another neurological state of social engagement. And in order to do that, I think the first place to start is awareness. We just need to be aware of those trigger parts. And I'm going to do an episode on triggers in of itself. But those parts of you that are very aware and always looking for ways that there might be a threat again. So anything that could possibly relate to the trauma that you experienced, these parts have a job to make sure you know, hey, that could be a threat. And this really bad thing that happened can happen again. So you need to be aware of, of this. And we need to see those parts and learn how to practice accepting them rather than being in a state of go away. This shouldn't, oh, I shouldn't be here. You need to, you know, I should be better by now. I shouldn't be triggered anymore. Right? The other way I see a block to healing is making the divorce, being single, where you live or don't live now, mean something about you intrinsically. It's this, I'm divorced now, so I'm not enough in some way. And this showed up for me, even in my family. Like when my family would have get-togethers, I'm, I'm one out of seven siblings, the oldest out of seven siblings. And so all of a sudden, I felt less qualified to share my thoughts because now I'm divorced and I somehow have less lesser value than these other people. I make people's reactions or comments mean that I'm less in some way. And even in my church congregation, I mean, being divorced mean that I can't contribute as good or I can't comment in Sunday school. My opinion is less because now I'm divorced. And again, yes, my brain offered me those thoughts because of words sometimes people would say, but I'm the one that gave it meaning and placed my worth and value on it. So when we make anything that we do or don't do, our experiences, all of that means something about who we are intrinsically, you're going to find yourself stuck in that healing journey. And you're not going to be able to access that, that social engagement. Because when I felt that, I withdrew. 
right? And that's more of that isolation. That's not that social engagement. I also want to address something that I think is a big hang up for a lot of divorcees when they have come from betrayal, abuse, that kind of trauma. There is this idea that we can only heal so much when we really haven't had full disclosure from our former partner's betrayal or we're never really going to get a lot of sense made of their actions. There's no accountability on their part, no ownership of their behaviors, no apology, restitution. And this deep wound feels really impossible sometimes to heal without that peace that they can contribute with the, the restitution and ownership and accountability. And what I want to say to this is that your healing is yours. I don't believe that your healing has to come from someone's apology or repair. In fact, I personally believe that it shouldn't. And hang in here with me because a lot of times we are waiting for this other person to show up in a certain way in order for us to give ourselves these parts permission to heal and relax. And I think that's very disempowering. We're making our healing reliant on another human brain. And because you don't have control over that human brain, I just don't believe in a God that works that way. I believe in a God that gives us all the power to tap into. And I've also experienced this for myself because I am in that situation where I have an ex where there hasn't been an apology or restitution or accountability in any way. And if my healing was, if my healing was reliant upon that, then I would still be waiting for a lot of pieces to be healed. And this is where tapping in and having an empowered divorce is so important because you have the ability to do this for yourself. So what is your definition of healing? I want you to journal this. What is healing? What does that mean to you? And I'm going to offer my thoughts here today offer a couple of things that you can utilize, but those are just my thoughts. I really ultimately want you to decide what your thoughts are. Now, I'm going to offer you some, and if you like them, if you like how it feels when you think these thoughts I offer, great. But maybe some of them won't feel good today, maybe tomorrow, maybe a month from now, a year from now, because you are in a journey and Along the journey, we can pick up different pieces to try on and implement. So if something doesn't feel good today, just know it's okay. Put it in your toolbox and you can revisit it another time. Now, for me, my healing, what I make healing mean for me is my ability to be vulnerable and see into myself and then advocate for myself what it is I need to practice being present, practice choosing love. And it's my choice to choose me. And in order for me to do that, I have to be self-aware. So let's start with self-awareness. It's always a great place to start in any journey. But being aware of your body, mind, and spirit is, I think, really necessary to practice along the journey. And remember that, that you're writing this journey already enough whole, complete, and infinitely lovable. The world is going to provide a lot of distractions along the journey to get you to avoid seeing the self. So it's going to be a constant practice to remember this. I've been getting onto my husband lately because he has been complaining about his health and his physical ailments and his body, but he won't go to the doctor. 
to get more awareness as to what might be happening. And we do this sometimes, right, where we don't want to look at our stuff. We don't want to know really what we have to address in our healing because then it means we need to do something about it. So we avoid it a lot of times. And then when we avoid it, we continue in the patterns of thinking that keep us from healing and thriving, keeps us stuck. So we have to start looking at our wounds and not ignoring them and getting more information about it, really seeing what's going, going on inside because not getting more curious about it just prolongs the personal growth. One of the questions that I do get a lot around the healing journey is how will I know if I'm really healing? And I want to offer you some things to measure your healing by. But I also, again, <laughs> hesitate, please do not make this a checklist. Now, one of the things that we can be more aware of is how often we live in certain stages and phases, certain energy levels. And I'm going to describe a few of these stages and phases to you that you can just notice and be more aware of. And as I read through these different stages, what you're going to notice is, okay, that resonates. And how many, how many hours of the day do I live in this stage? How many days of the week do I live in this, in, in this phase? Okay. But we're just getting curious. So there's no judgment or shame. We're just dropping into a place of curiosity here. So stage phase one, this energy level, these thoughts that you might be experiencing, maybe you're feeling frozen in shock. You're feeling overwhelmed, completely exhausted, high levels of anxiety, maybe panic attacks, unable to concentrate. So there's just a real lack of focus, a lack of confidence. You might be having physical issues. There's the, the panic attacks. That's a physical um, issue there in this phase. Or when you feel like you don't know how in the world you're going to survive another dang day. Maybe your brain is stuck in the I can't phrases. I can't do that. I can't get up. I can't do this. I can't take a shower. I can't take my kids to school. I can't make money. Or why even bother thoughts? I remember at this stage being like every day I'd wake up and that was that thought of I, I can't do another day. How in the world am I supposed to get through this day? And it was literally like, okay, move one leg out of the bed. Okay, move the next leg out of the bed. Okay, shimmy the lower half of my body out of the bed. Okay, stand up. Okay, move to the bathroom. Like just one, one movement was, you know, triumph. The underlining perception here in this energy level is this is more than I can handle. I'm powerless. There is this big attack on your worth and your value. You don't feel you're enough in so many ways. Now, you might be in this stage and have a lot of judgment for yourself. A lot of shame is going to be here. I noticed also in this stage, I needed a lot of validation. So I was venting a lot to friends and certain family members who, bless their hearts, just listened to me over and over and over, talk about all the same things over and over. My brain was just really trying hard to process all that it was trying to piece together. And there were so many pieces that it needed to grasp. And talking about all the things that I thought he was doing wrong. There's that he is wrong, I'm right phase. And in a, in a way, this protected me. Like I enjoyed having this ability to dump on people and get their validation. Like, oh my gosh, he's so crazy. Oh my gosh, you're right. And da, 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 da. Because in a way that protected myself from feeling the embarrassment, feeling like a total failure because I just got divorced and I had this horrible thing happen to me. I also was in a place 
And I see with my clients the show up too, where I didn't feel I deserved love even. That because this man hurt me so deeply, rejected me so easily, and betrayed me for years, something must be wrong with me. I was broken. I was unlovable. So anything resonate here? Again, it's, you might feel this, but how many hours of the day are you, are you in the, this phase? How many days a week? Just curious here. Okay, second phase. Might be feeling frustration, stressed, anger. Here is the resistance stage, the I'm right, you're wrong, I know better than you, I hate you. In this stage, I was looking for how others are going to disappoint me as well. I was so massively disappointed in my life and my partner. And so everyone else was going to be a disappointment. And then when someone would disappoint me, I was like, yep, see, right, knew it. I also blamed him for everything in this stage. If I was struggling with money, I blamed him for not paying child support. If I was late picking my kids up from school because I had to work, I blamed him because it was his fault I had to work. I felt as if all of my actions were justified, right? Not my fault. This is all his fault. And there's this anger, this I'm right, he's wrong. This protected me. And in this stage, what the benefit of this was I was fighting. I was fighting. I was going through the divorce. So I was fighting for myself and my kids. And when you have that fight, man, you can get a lot of shit done in this phase. I was pushing through really hard things, hard parts of the divorce because of the short-sighted fight and sense of control that I needed to have in my life to get through. But you're going to burn out on this stage if you live here too long. So healing change is being aware of where you're at, not shaming yourself, and then shifting some thoughts here. Okay, the next phase is you might be noticing some areas in your life where things are better than other areas, but you maybe are feeling like, eh, this is as good as it gets. In this stage, you might find yourself numbing out to Netflix, TikTok, food, work, other substances to distract you from feeling because you're just like, I'm so sick of feeling anger. I'm so sick of feeling depressed. So we're numbing out a little bit more in this phase. Here, you're also looking around a little bit more at others and maybe wishing you had their life or believing that their life is easier than yours or it's better than yours. I remember, so I, I cleaned houses. I had a cleaning company and I'd be in certain families' homes and, and I would look around and there was a lot of that comparative suffering here. Look at how better, how much better their life is. I'm never going to have this. My life is as good as it's going to get. Even looking at some of their relationships and being, oh gosh, so envious and thinking, I'm never going to have that. That's this phase. But you're definitely owning your emotions more here which can bring some relief and a little bit more peace of mind. I was moving more to a place of logic in response to my ex's behaviors or text messages rather than that high level of emotion. And I didn't feel as much of a need to tell my story to everyone who asked in this phase. Here, you're going to take more responsibility for yourself. There's less of that I'm right, he's wrong. And you're going to feel more of the feelings in your life. Many people in this phase start to focus more on themselves and not so much on what the ex is doing. But I also notice that it's coming from a place of I should focus more on me. I shouldn't be focusing on him. And again, that's okay. This is a change. It's a shift. We're moving. And then the next stage that I notice 
is you're shifting into more of that confident, empowered, more peace. You're letting go of things that don't serve you anymore. And that might include people, right? There were a lot of friends and people that didn't adhere to boundaries that I was now creating to keep myself emotionally safe, to stay more in my power. And so it meant letting go of friendships and seeing that there's seasons to different friendships and seasons come to an end. In this phase, you're connecting more with your body, mind, and spirit collectively. And you're believing that you are of worth and value, that you do deserve more, that you are lovable. You're exploring new relationships, jobs, health. And you're more excited about possibilities and adventure here. Perhaps you're starting to try new things in this phase, like dating, (laughs) hobbies. Maybe you're traveling more. You're feeling, again, more confident in making new friends because some of them are not friends anymore. Here you're really choosing to engage in things that are fun and fulfilling for you. You're letting go of what you can't control and focusing more on what you can control. There's this, there's this place of intentionality and you're practicing tools that you've learned that support your healing journey. Here in this phase, you're definitely showing up with more compassion and kindness for yourself and others. And so I know in this phase is where I started to step into more gratitude and practiced a lot of gratitude thinking and trusting myself a whole hell of a lot more in this phase and even more in God and a little bit more in others. I didn't take what my ex did as personally anymore and really starting to be more consistent with my self-care, nourishing myself. It's such a beautiful, empowering phase. But I also found myself stepping out of myself. So I wanted to serve other people more and got a lot of happiness and joy from that. Reached out to church leaders and offered my support to others who were going through this. So you're going to find yourself more at peace and back to this willingness and less resistance in this phase. You're slowing it down a little bit, right? Maybe we're not going 10 miles over the speed limit. Maybe we're going five under and watching all of the other people pass by in the left lane with both hands on the wheel, just angry, right? That's me. When I'm in that angry phase, just honking at everybody, get out of my freaking way. I got to get to this place. In this phase that I'm talking about here, we're slowing it down and we're not trying to compete and race with other drivers on the road. Now, I'm just going to stop there. I, I really encourage you to maybe go back and listen to these again when you can maybe write some stuff down. See what really resonates with you. Drop into that self-awareness. And again, you might find yourself resonating with something in each one of these phases or stages, some of these different energy levels that I were, were wanting to see where do I live most days of the week, most hours of the day. That's what we want to be aware of. You might get a higher level energy, you know, one day a week. That's fantastic. You know what you can tap into more frequently. But if I'm living in anger most of the time, then we want to get curious as to why. Remember, we want to embrace the anger parts. They're, they're telling us something, okay? And a lot of times that means boundaries are still being violated. 
So maybe we need to get aware of our boundaries. Maybe we're letting people cross our boundaries. Maybe we're not holding the consequences of the boundary. There's a reason why we are stuck in a stage or phase. We have to get curious about that. This is where coaching really can help because none of us can see all the way into our human brains. To have someone else go, oh, I see your brain doing this can be so helpful to get unstuck. But the practice that I want to offer you this week is to be aware of how often you are in the phase during the week, hours of the day, and just get curious. If you're If you are interested in getting more of a full assessment as to the energy level that you live in, I am ELI Master Practitioner and can do an assessment with you. I'll put how you can get a hold of me to do that in the show notes. But I I just am so grateful that healing is a journey and not a destination and that I can continue to choose and see into me and love all the parts. It helps me to not only show up for myself, but for others. And my hope for you is to not make choices in healing based on survival, but on purpose and in choice. This is an empowered divorce. And this is living your life on purpose. This is not choosing happy all the time and and happy-go-lucky. This is tapping into the truth about yourself each day and accepting all parts, whatever state you're in, intentionally choosing because you want to show up for you. It's breathing deeply, breathing in love, breathing in peace, breathing even in the anger, and then getting curious about it. Letting go of the hustle for worth and value, letting go of the arrival to some false destination because you believe that you're already whole, already enough, just as you are. Healing can be beautiful. Make space for both. I had to make space for I hate this and I'm going to choose into it. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me today. Continue to share and support other women because women need women. And I will see you next time. Take care. Thank you for being with me today. And remember that you are the chooser in your life and have the power to create the life you want one step at a time. Take care, everybody.